Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss powerful truths to counter anxiety and fear, big and small. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and experience soul-deep emotional and spiritual freedom, and we want to inspire you to share that freedom with others. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn about one of our upcoming events, how to book one of our speakers for your next event, or simply how to connect with us. everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and we've probably all experienced circumstances and seasons that we feared we might never bounce back from or overcome. We've probably also all had periods where we felt stuck, sensing God had more for us, but maybe feeling like he had delayed answering our prayers for so long, we began to interpret the delay as a no or worse, an indication that he's forgotten us entirely. Well, maybe that's where you're at now. If so, I believe you'll find today's episode with guest, author, and pastor John Metter encouraging. John, Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jennifer. Thrilled to be with you and your audience today. Well, John Metter serves as a lead pastor for the multi-generation and multi-ethnic Cross City Church located in Euless, Texas since 2006. And the church is intergenerational. And like I said, multi-ethnic. It's pioneered many kingdom initiatives that are impacting thousands. Part of John's story is born out of adversity. As a small child, a severe illness resulted in an irreversible hearing loss that left him profoundly deaf. Now, this has given him the opportunity to experience God's grace in multiple ways. He has watched God turn his disappointments into hope and purpose. And he believes, quote, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And that's Philippians 4.13? That's correct. That's the verse my mother used to teach me all the time when I was going through my hardships. That's really awesome. Well, in his new book, God's Not Done With You, it's based on both his personal account and also biblical stories where we see God bringing people back from challenging and often paralyzing situations. In God's supreme sovereignty, he causes the best things to come out of the worst things, and he does it as no one else can. Well, John, on page 16, you wrote, I'm going to quote, God can orchestrate an extraordinary comeback from a difficult 
past. And as I read that, I wondered, do you know that from experience? I do know that from experience. In fact, that's basically the motivation for writing the book, that through the hearing loss that you mentioned a few moments ago, at the age of six, my my hearing went completely away. I have a 95% hearing loss. So my world went silent at that time. And um, it was irreversible. So over the years, I realized that I was behind the curve on so many things. And um, as a young believer, knowing that God could change all that, but didn't for some reason struggle with all the picture of that. Uh, how could a good God, a fair God, let this happen to me? And in my juvenile thinking, I was thinking instead of somebody else, you know, I was thinking somebody else should be the recipient of my problem. <laughs> so over the years, I just struggled with anger with God. And at some point, God just really got a hold of my heart, very specific moments where he grabbed hold of me and said, I've got a future for you that you don't realize. And if you'll trust me with it, I'll bring you back from all the hardship that you are so concerned about and wallowing in, and I will help you to a new future. And so that's my story. And as I read the stories, these Old Testament biblical characters, names we all know, Moses and Joseph and uh, Hezekiah, all kinds of names that are familiar. I learned that each one of them has some kind of comeback story in their life that God helped them come back from. You know, I think too, that's really the picture of grace, right? And reveals the power of the gospel. It's almost like God's like, I'm going to do this because I want to show who I really am. That's right. That's right. God is always wanting to demonstrate his character. And that's one thing we just don't factor into most situations. And that's to our detriment. Because if God is able, if God is strong, if he's good, if he's supernatural, then the situation is not over until God acts. And so we have to wait for him to act and speak. And I heard you said you wrestled with anger over. Now, how old were you when you lost your hearing? Well, I lost my hearing at six, but I was wrestling with this anger through my teenage years and my early college years. Yeah. So I, that must have been really traumatic, actually, to all of a sudden lose your hearing and, and at that young of age, not not understanding. That's right. And I think those first few years were not so difficult because I was more of a rural environment. Uh, most of the kids that I was around knew me from uh, early on. But when we moved to another community, I was kind of the odd man out. I had I wore hearing aids by then. I couldn't uh, I didn't know sign language because we were in a rural area. Didn't learn that. So I was in a public education setting and kids can be really cruel when someone is different. And I was definitely different. So through that that time, the social interactions were extremely hard for me and school was hard for me. Grades were difficult for me because I was a, a lip reader and I continued to be a lip reader. I hear certain sounds, but I associate those also with context and reading lips and so so you can imagine school being a little bit more difficult then. But I was angry because of people's responses to me and because of how hard I had to work to get the same grade somebody else did. It felt very unfair. And because of that, I was angry at God. So that anger manifested itself in so many different ways um, to so many different people who did not deserve my anger. <laughs> and so it was unresolved and it was constant. Jennifer, I ended up being a pretty sizable guy. I'm 6'5 and I weigh about 240 pounds. And so it became kind of a threatening thing when I was angry. And hurt people, hurt walls, hurt uh, doors, hurt my fist, and so forth. So I was, uh, I was acting out that anger. That was my struggle during those early years until I really came to the place of accepting the fact that God could do something about this, but had not yet. And so, therefore, what did he have planned? And could I trust him with that? Big moment. Uh, and that moment of trust happened to me when I was about 19. It changed my world. Absolutely. Wow. So I'm back to Moses. When you started the book, you start with him. Did you feel kind of a, a special connection with him because of that? You know, his, his story begins in many ways. Well, when as as an adult where he allows his anger and maybe even a sense of justice to 
to get the best of him. And he lands in kind of a mess. I mean, did you feel like as you were reading Moses's story, are there aspects that you really that really resonate with you? I, I do. And I believe that, like most of us, when we are personally acquainted with something, some aspect of our lives, anger or something else, when you read another story of someone else's life, you begin to pick up those elements. Well, I had read Moses' life many times and never picked up on the anger. I mean, I knew he did that to the Egyptian taskmaster, but that, that's just a blip on the radar screen until you really get sensitive to the fact that he had anger in many areas of his life, and it happened over and over over the space of at least a hundred years. <laughs> so that began to bring it to the surface and I began to identify with, okay, here's a great leader that God brought back from a devastating act of violence. He had reason in his mind to be upset at God. It was an unfair situation that he and his people were enduring in Egypt. And he had to learn to come to grips with that. And, and I saw myself in the life of Moses, not because of his high points, but because of his low points. And yet God took him from a very low point. And what we mostly know about Moses is that he led the exodus of the people of Israel out of Egypt, and he led them to the promised land. And so we know the big deal. We know the big points of his life, and we forget the valleys. But the valleys are where God helps us get to the big points. Well, that's beautiful. So for those who maybe aren't really familiar with his story or more familiar with the Hollywood version, when he talks about the Egyptian, there was a, a point where he encountered some an, an Egyptian taskmaster abusing some of his own people. He must have known at that point that he was he was Hebrew by birth. And then he he killed he killed the Egyptian and he ended mm -hmm. up a fugitive for 40 years. And I like what you what you mentioned about really reflecting upon in Scripture Biblical characters' low points as well. You know, we see Moses's end journey, right? Mm -hmm. But in that moment, he didn't see his end journey. He just saw, "I'm I'm a fugitive, and my people are still enslaved, and I just I just killed someone." Right, and he's feeling like his life is wasted at this point. I break his life into three forty-year periods of time. He was about forty when he put the Egyptian taskmaster to death and hid it. It was discovered, and so he ran for the next forty years to what I call the backside of the desert, which is absolutely a good description of where he was. So who knows how many years in that in that journey he thought, God's done with me. God doesn't even know where I am. I have no hope of ever going back to my people. My mission is compromised. Uh, it's over. And he's just living out his days until God encounters him with this burning bush experience and speaks to him and says, you're not done. I've got a job for you in spite of your past. I find God doing that a great deal to people. I'm not done with you in spite of your past. In fact, I can take your past and redeem it in incredible ways that you've never imagined. I always wondered, too, if maybe he was acting like a God-given calling, because we see to defend the Hebrews, right, and, and to see their liberation, but maybe outside of God's timing and, and leading. That's right. And and that's exactly what happened. When we don't wait on God to direct us specifically, we take matters into our own hands. And that never that never works out well, <laughs> because when we do things our way instead of God's way, you know, the scripture says, don't take revenge. Leave it to the Lord to take revenge on anyone that's hurt you. But when we take revenge in our own hands, we short circuit that. And in many ways, we don't deal with it thoroughly enough. And only God can deal with anything in a thorough manner. So we're, we're called to wait on God to do that. And that's what Moses didn't do. He took matters into his own hands. And I find myself doing that with large and small things and have to hold back and say, wait a minute, God tells me to do something different than what I naturally want to do. 
Yeah. Well, now fast forwarding actually to in your book. So fast forwarding to Joseph. So one of the patriarch who he he had 11 brothers and he was his father's favorite. And basically he suffered a bunch of injustice and abuse because of that. And and you reference and I'm, I'm assuming it's in relation to that. You reference what you call the 50-20 factor. Right. So I would love to hear a little bit of a backstory of kind of what what created that factor or what you mean by that. Sure. You know, I think most of us know the phrase 2020 vision, and sometimes we even use it in the phrase that hindsight is 2020. And what we mean by that is we look back in history at something that's happened to us in the past, and we can understand better later on. We don't understand it in the moment, but we understand it better later on. Now, the problem with that is we might understand it a little bit of it better, but the 50-20 principle has to do with the fact that we can look back at what God has done and see it through His perspective. And the reason it's named 50-20 is because of Joseph's statement at the end of his life in Genesis 50-20. He said, to his brothers who tried to put him to death and eventually sold him to slave traders, which is even worse, maybe. And he went through a roller coaster series of events in his life and later on faced his 10 stepbrothers who hated him so badly. And he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now, the 50-20 principle in that verse in the book of Genesis simply says, whatever people mean against us, however wicked or evil my environment seems to be or my circumstances seem to be. God can take that and work it together for good. He did that in the life of Joseph. He reminds us of that in the New Testament where it says in Romans eight twenty eight, we know God causes all things to work together for good. For those of us who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. So God has this master plan that we know nothing about. And I watch him fulfill that, fulfill it in life after life. And that's why I write the book. I want it to be fulfilled in everyone's life. And I think Joseph's story, too, reminds us that even when other people who seem like they have so much power come against us, they really don't have more power than God's plan in our lives. Absolutely. And these brothers really wanted to put him to death, but one of them talked the others into not killing him selling him instead. And that seems bad until he ends up in Potiphar's house and has considerable experience and then is falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Well, that puts him in prison, which seems like a bad thing, until he interprets dreams in such a way that make him memorable later on. And Pharaoh calls him up. So think about that trajectory. I mean, who can predict being number two in command in the whole land of Egypt from a pit to that palace? Nobody can comprehend that but God. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what would you say to the person who feels like they, whether they feel like they're in the pit now or they've gone from the pit to a dungeon to, and like they just feel like they're being hit by one challenge after another, one difficulty after another, what would you say to them? Well, I always remind people that life is the long game. We want things to happen overnight. We want things to happen immediately. And each of these individuals that we've talked about, and each of them in the book, it was the long game that they saw God working in a big way. So that, that says that we have to be patient to see what God's going to do with a circumstance or situation that we've already rendered our judgment. We've already determined that it's bad in some way. But God can cause that to work together good. For number one, it's the long game. Number two, each of these characters had an encounter with God. They were asking God hard questions. And most of the time, when we ask God why, which is our first question, why did this happen to me? God doesn't give an answer in my experience. But when we say, okay, I don't understand why, but what now? That question often gets answers from God. So understand life's a long game, number one. Number two, ask God, what now? What are you doing? And, and what do I need to do next? And thirdly, 
listen really well to God. Um, and of course, when I say that, I know some people say, well, how do you listen to God? And I always point to the scripture as the number one way you can listen to God. There, his character is revealed. There, are the details of how to follow him are spelled out in people's lives and, and also in the narratives of the New Testament and the life of Jesus. Uh, but also God can lead us. He can prompt us by his Holy Spirit. He can really communicate with people as he does with these characters without having the open book in hand that the Bible is. So I, I advise all those things to people as in those questions. Yeah. And I think, too, when I'm in difficult circumstances, I can think of my training in high school with sports. You know, and you go through drills and endurance training, which isn't fun at the time. It's painful. And I'm wondering, can you look back in your struggles? And I, I, I want to be clear, I, God never creates evil or abuse or or bullying. That's never his heart. But like you said, he can use it. Can you see how he, looking back in the 50-20 principle of your own life, how did receiving such unkind treatment, how has that maybe increased your compassion now as you're in a pastoral role or having to work through those hard lessons that you're now having to figure out like you're maybe missing parts of the classroom? How has that built into your perseverance or your grit? I would love to hear from that aspect. Sure. And and I think you, you've really touched on a number of things that I think have happened to me in a good way as a result of the bad experiences that I've had. There's no doubt about that. But first, I just want to say we live in a wicked, selfish world. To think that we're going to have a pristine life with no discomfort in a wicked world where men are given free wills, men and women have the choice of whatever they want to do, and God has allowed us to have free will. So that's going to create some calamity in the world. And it's going to happen to us at some time or another. So I want to be quick to not blame God, who's a good God, who creates us in the best possible way, and yet at the same time gives us free will. So it's going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. So yes, having walked through ridicule, does it help me identify with someone else that has experienced ridicule? Yes. Having a handicap of being deaf, does that help me be more compassionate to someone else that has some sort of handicap in life? Absolutely. So it does bring a measure of compassion and identification in my life. That's not necessarily just pastoral. It's just part of being a good human being that wants to help help others because many people need encouragement and many people need a friend. So yes, I identify well with that. But like you said, as an athlete, we learn something about endurance that can't be learned any other way. And that is sometimes before there's a gain, there's a pain. Mm. And uh, my, old, my old football coach used to say that about those of us in the locker room or the weight room. He would say, no pain, no gain. If you don't work on these weights and the resistance of weights, you won't ever really succeed on the football field or wherever it may be. There's, that's a very real principle in life that the Bible addresses, that, that because of endurance, we're made more mature. That's why James says, count it joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So there's a work that happens in our life when we endure, as hard as it may be. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of hard circumstances and that endurance training, maybe for those who they feel like they don't have much left, right? Because you probably felt that in the locker room, like or when you're in the middle of drills, and you're like, I can't run another mile. I can't lift another. Yeah, yeah. I can't do another set. What would you say to those who say, I'm, I'm kind of starting to lose hope? Mm -hmm. And I would say that that's one of the greatest places to be because it's the crossroads where you learn you're going to do one, one of two things. You're going to run out of steam and run out of direction and run out of steps, next steps, or you're going to ask for help from God. And that's where the grace factor comes in. The grace factor comes in when we have realized that we have to have his help in order to make it through life successfully. And when we begin to ask him for that, the Bible says God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, a proud person would say, I'm going to do it myself. 
Well, that's kind of noble until you realize you can't really do it all yourself. So the humble person says, I cannot do it all myself. I need help from God. And God loves to help the humble. He loves to help the broken. He loves to help the hurting. He's a compassionate God. And so, I mean, that's the gospel that we love to preach. None of us can save ourselves from our sin, from from our distance from God. We can't save ourselves, but Christ gives us his grace and his forgiveness, and he bridges the gap between ourselves and God through his death on the cross. So grace is a big part of succeeding in any aspect of life, beginning at salvation, beginning when we trust him as our Lord and Savior. So that conversation, it reminds me of something you wrote in your book. So you wrote, it is the very nature and pattern of God's character to redeem tragedy and bring back situations from hopelessness and defeat. And you're right, like that is the gospel. And I think some of the times we've feel hopeless because we're, our hope is in the wrong things, which your book emphasizes that the 50-20 principle, right? And God bring it. It's not that we won't have problems. The hope is that God will use them for good and carry us through. Absolutely. And my experience is that he does. He does. And like I said, the long game is when you get into the second half of your life or the third, fourth quarter of your life, you look back and you begin to see things very, very differently because time has passed and he's had time to redeem those things that you've surrendered to him. Again, I just think the time factor is huge for us. We just are not patient people. And we live in a world that takes things, it takes time for things to unfold. God doesn't answer all of our prayers today. But as you said earlier in the program, we're looking for that yes or that no or that next step or that next direction. Keep looking. God does not disappoint. And it's really important for us to actually reach out to him and expect him to answer us at some point and keep praying until he does. And you you indicated earlier in our conversation that that's when everything shifted for you was when you started actually seeking him and, and his help. And so prior, when you were dealing with your anger, did you feel like, did you have seasons where you were running from him? Oh, yes. And and I think running from God was the most exhausting thing I've ever done. You know, you talk about being exhausted, run from God for a while, and that will really exhaust you. But on the other hand, I was trying to fix things my own way. And and yet when you're walking in a, a, a period of where you think things are unfair and you think God is ignoring you, there's no easy answers to anything. Really not. You have to come to some point where you say, I'm going to stop running now. I'm going to stop fighting now. And I'm going to ask God, to do what he promises in Scripture he'll do. Try God is what I tell people. Just try him. If you will honestly, sincerely try him, you're going to be surprised at how he's paying attention. He knows where you are, what you need, and he's able to come to your aid. I was wondering about that, particularly when I was reading. You discussed Jonah in great detail in your book. And for those not familiar with the story, he was an Old Testament prophet who literally did run from God, as in not just figuratively, but he actually got on a boat and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Peace out. So I imagine you must have, as there are parts of his story that you must really, that must really resonate with you. <laughs> it did. It resonates with people all the time that tell me their stories of running from God and some of the incredibly unusual things that happened to them where God finally gets their attention. And, and of course, in the case of Jonah, there's this supernatural thing of a whale that actually swallows him and, and actually puts him on the seashore of the place he's running from that God told him originally to go to. So, yes, God sometimes allows uh, interesting circumstances, interesting people and events to happen in our lives. And sometimes people just walk through those events without ever looking around going, what's happening right now? Is God trying to communicate something to me? And my experience is he often is. And certainly was in Jonah's life. Well, that's where your question, what now, would really 
prove useful because we may not get a get a fish hopefully lord <laughs> but yeah, hopefully but, you won't get a big fish <laughs> right right but we may have fish like circumstances so what would you say to those specifically who right at this moment are really wrestling with a call from god whether it's a call to maybe go back to school maybe it's to do foster care maybe it's to to start a ministry maybe it's to go oversee missions maybe it's just to walk into church on sunday morning and that feels terrifying so what what would you say to them I believe God speaks to us and confirms direction through open doors and closed doors. Not every open door is God's open door. Not every closed door is God's closed door. But we have to take some steps. We can't just stand still. And so when people are in the situation you've described, I encourage them to think beyond whatever their their present thought is and say, what if what if God is trying to do this in my life? Let me take a step that way and see what happens next. Now, as a pastor, I, I encounter this all the time, where someone would come to me at the end of a service and say, I have not been in church in I don't know how many years, and for some reason, I felt the need to be in this place on this day. And sometimes they will say, and what you said from the pulpit this day really spoke to my need. Now, I'm sure that doesn't happen every time all over the world, but I know that at times when people take the steps in a direction that's different from where they are as they run from God. And the direction towards God, God encourages them the next step and the next step. So don't just stand there at a distance from God. Walk towards Him in the best way that you know in the sense of what possibility of walking towards God exists in your mind. That's great advice. And I think probably it also applies to those who they're saying, I have been running from Him for 20 years. Mm-hmm. What if what if they're afraid I've been running like they've got this long trajectory of a blow up. They've been running mm-hmm. from God so long. They've, they've blown up their marriage. They've blown up their relationship with their kids. They've lost their job. They maybe lost their home. And and they're like, it feels too late for me. What would you say? Well, the thing I love about comebacks in general, comebacks at football games or any other thing, the bigger, the more behind we are the greater the story at the end when we win in the end. And I believe God, uh, I'm sure God has a sense of humor. I believe God loves these great comebacks. And I don't believe that there's any distance too far from God at all. I mean, just imagine yourself being in Moses' shoes, 80 years old, thinking you're at the end of life. And God says, nope, you got another 40 years to go. I can't even imagine that right now. But that's massive. And um, and that happened over and over and over again. So no matter how far away you feel like you are, God's arm is not too short to reach out to you and to and to draw you to himself. And your circumstances are not too devastating where he can't redeem those. He does it all the time. I will watch it happen all the time. You may not see them, but I do get a chance to see some of those things. And that's why I wrote this book, because I want others to see it as well. Speaking of that, and I'd love for us to to close on this, your discussion of Peter. Again, for those who aren't familiar with him, he was one of Jesus's closest disciples, actually. And he he denied knowing Christ at a very, very pivotal time, like the night before Christ's death, like a, a very desperate time. And you, you lay that whole story out, which was really beautiful. So I hope if you're listening by the book and you get the full story. <laughs> but one thing you said in particular that I really found poignant was at the end of it all, Jesus called Peter back to the beginning. So thinking of that, and then also the person who says, okay, I blew up my marriage. I blew up my family. How would you, like, is there a way to correlate that in our lives? What does it mean for us to maybe go back to the beginning? Well, I think the going back to the beginning 
first means going back to the beginning of a relationship with God. In this case, Peter was brought back to those early days of walking with Christ and some of the same things Christ showed him and called him to in the early days, long before he struggled with the cross and long before Peter struggled with the fact that Jesus was going to die and then denied Jesus in front of a crowd, long before that. He had experiences with Christ. And and Christ brings him back to that after the resurrection. That's what that whole story is about. And Peter is disillusioned. He's going back to what he knows he's done before. He's going to forget about Christ until Jesus says, no, I'm still here and I'm still willing to walk with you. And I say that to people. I say, you know, you, you may have turned your back on Christ or you may have ignored him altogether, but he is still persistently saying, I'm here. I'm willing to walk with you through all this. Now, there are so many circumstances that may not be be addressed in a short time frame like this. I don't know what God will do with a marriage you walked away with or for a, with a job that you walked away with. But I know that when you are personally restored to Christ, you're restored to the one who has all those answers and who can open all those doors. So your job, job one, is to walk with him. He takes care of the things that are way beyond us. We can just take care of that decision to walk with him again. Return back to our creator. That's awesome. So I want to, again, remind you of his book, God's Not Done With You. And he, like we said before, he walks beside in this book, he unpacks biblical characters, some who have, they've in their anger, like we talked about with Moses, that it seems like they are going to be fugitives forever, or Jonah, who was swallowed by a fish, Peter, who said, I've blown it beyond even I, my, I can comprehend. And you pull out some really good principles, some core truths, reminders of this God that holds us, that says he's not done with us yet. So I thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Thank you, Jennifer. It's been my pleasure. It has. And so to our listeners, I will put his information in our show notes. I'll also put his book in our show notes, and I hope you check it out. I think it would be really encouraging. I'm also going to recommend for those who are parents of young adults, I think this could also be a very encouraging book. If you just want, or even a teenager who maybe feels like they've gone off the rails for you to remind yourself that, yes, God's not done with you, but he's not done with your kids either or or your family member, whoever it is that you're kind of grieving or praying for now. Right, so. right. Jennifer, we have a website that I've created called johnmetter.com. It's got a page on that website for this book in the sense of uh, questions to download and free videos about each chapter. So if someone Wonderful. would rather watch the video or even listen to the podcast that we're doing, Lots of resources about God's Not Done With You. Wonderful. So what is your podcast called? The podcast is called God's Not Done With You. It's awesome. got the same name as a book. Awesome. awesome. So you actually, you can gather some people around and you can listen to the podcast and have your own little small group. Which I, So I will mention that some of our listeners are not in locations where they have access to church. and But they do have access to airwaves. And so that would be a great opportunity if gather someone in your village or in your wherever you're at and, and just listen to the book and, and talk it out. Absolutely. It's all they're available for them. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Share it with your friends. And we have some discussion questions actually in our show notes. I encourage you if we're talking about community gather people around and just talk through those and see what happens. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. 
For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of million praying moms. And I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.